Thank you for being here. Here's our cool little nerd night thing. I don't. It's just nice, so we have it there. What was that? Take what off my face? What are you talking? This is amazing. <laughs> so, nerd night's tagline is "Be there and be square." But throughout the years, there's been a little bit of an identity crisis with nerd night, and like in the late '90s, 2000s. They would say, it's like the Discovery Channel with beer. But by show of hands, how many of you have cable anymore? One. <laughs> so you just don't have the Discovery Channel like you used to. So now, it's been dubbed more recently like Boozy TED Talks. So welcome to Boozy Nerd Night. All right. So I am one of your Nerd Night bosses. My name is Philip Awesome Aguilera, and this lovely lady over here is my wife, Maritza Aguilera. And this is us at the Nerd Night in Miami, where I asked her to marry me. Yeah. So Nerd Night is in over a hundred cities all over the world. So wherever you travel, go connect with your fellow nerds because why not? Who, who doesn't want to hang out with people who love to learn and drink at the same time? All right, so how many of you, by show of hands, is it your first time here tonight? Yeah, give yourselves a hand. Thank you for coming. Now, I know what all of you new people are thinking. You're thinking, if I had to get in front of a room of drunk people and teach them about something, what would it be? How many of you are thinking that? There we go, we got one, another one. Well, if you'd like to uh, connect with us, you can uh, send us an email at nerdnightcos at gmail.com. You can also send us a message through Facebook. We try to be responsive, yes? Yes. All right, you can also follow, like, review, and share us on the, on the Book of Faces. We are also on the gram, so just like us on your social medias. We do have a website. We don't really do much with it, but it does exist. Now, if you wanted to see that Nerd Night Miami presentation when I asked uh, Maritza to marry me, it's right there if you just go to our page. So you can check that out if you'd like. If not, don't check it out. Uh, and let's give a hand to our fantastic host venue, Karate. Yeah, thank you guys for believing in our vision to nerd out at least once a month. And of course, thank you, Colorado Springs. You guys are amazing. Thank you very much. So tonight, we've got three presenters. We've got, what does it mean to connect communities or time banks with Samantha Sargent? We have building the largest machine in the world with John Marshall. And then we have wellness optimization for nerds by Lip. <laughs> so with that, let's begin and start nerding out. And with that, I will welcome Samantha Sargent onto the stage. Let's give her a hand. All right, I get to extra multitask today. I thought I'd have a wireless headset, so I need my hands. So I'm gonna put, okay, Maritza's gonna click for me too. She'll probably use the red arrow thing too. So I'm an educator, but I'm not really a public speaker. I can connect with people, but I'm used to interacting. 
Whereas today I'm just talking to you for 15 minutes. So the nods, the smiles, they really help me because we all get nervous in these situations, right? Okay. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> so who, who has heard the phrase, time is money? So it was actually Benjamin Franklin who said that in a contribution uh, writing in the 1700s. So that's still a very significant quote. And so that goes along with everything that I'm going to talk about tonight. So you're going to hear a lot of the word time and bank and time and time and time and a lot of repetition. So that's a good thing. It'll sink in that way. Um, so time indeed is precious and timeless. Uh, we require time. Um, okay, we require time to earn money, but money cannot buy the time which we lost. Unless you've seen the show Upload, that's the next slide here. Anybody see that? You can buy some time, right? So, you know, maybe I'm wrong in the future. This is going to be different, but for now, this is where we are. Um, so first I'll share the who and the who started it and the what sort of thing. So Time Banks... Uh, was created by Edgar Kahn and his wife, Jean. So they actually were lawyers in New York in the, in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. Um, they were called the Double Legal Eagles. Uh, you can go on Wikipedia. They have great things to learn about them there. So yeah, this is Edgar Kahn and his first wife here on the left. And then... Um, so they focused on advocating for minorities in New York, again, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So in, 19, in 1980, Edgar Kahn got really, really sick and thought he was going to die. On his deathbed, he really felt like he had nothing to offer the world. And then he almost immediately remembered that he does have value. Even on his deathbed, he remembered the value that he had and the time that he had, and the potential time that he was hoping to have in the future. So that's really where time banking started. Um, so he knew that every single person has value and something to give, and something to share with somebody else. So as he got better, he and his wife, Jean, they literally wanted to see the results of their extra time. So on their daily or weekly walks, they started planting seeds. If there was an empty bed somewhere, they would plant some seeds. Or if it was someone's yard, they would go knock on the door and say, hey, can we plant seeds in this area right here? We think flowers would be really gorgeous here. And they'd say, yeah, that's awesome. Actually, I would love some flowers there. Let me help you. So they'd get in the dirt together with these complete strangers. They just knocked on the door. And then, of course, the next year, they literally got to see the blossom of their extra time when they walked around the neighborhood, all the flowers that they had planted were literally blooming and they could see the time that they were given. So these people that they met randomly, they were so appreciative when they saw them walking around. They're like, hey, what can we do for you? This is so beautiful. Thank you for what you did for our neighborhood, for us personally. We love looking at these flowers. And so they, sometimes the cons were like, we don't, we don't need anything, but why don't you pay it forward? Which I'm sure the term pay it forward has been around a lot longer than the 80s, um, but it really gained popularity after, I think, the movie Pay It Forward too. So um, then they took that and purposely with that community created the time banks, 
And so those people were giving and receiving, and there's a couple of definitions I'm gonna read later that are very specific that we'll get into depth on that, and then some stories that I'll share with you of personally how these things have affected me over time as well. Um, so yeah, again, that's what they did. They started Time Banks. Um, so their community joined together, they supported one another. So basically, that's how it is still today. When you give an hour of your time to somebody else, then they can give their hour of time to someone else, or back to you, or to a group. And so uh, some of the main things they started with was tutoring, back then probably not the computer assistance, that's more so now, <laughs> um, haircuts, companionship, translation, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, there's, uh, I'll talk about this wheel in just a second there, but it's a network of people helping people. Um, time Bank, this Time Bank's Way cartoon, so this is a cartoon that we use quite a bit. Um, it can be one-on-one, -on -one, or it can be one to a group, or a group to one. Um, so we all have the collective and take from the collective. So how I like to explain it is, it's like having a big bowl in the middle of the room, and we all put into the bowl, and we take out what we want from the bowl. So again, this cartoon, kind of goes over that. So if you start here with Leslie, she joins the time banks. Leslie helps Helga with some shopping. Then Leslie spends her time dollars getting a, a music lesson from Michael, and then somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. So uh, you can just imagine all the different things that you're doing, and I'm sure a lot of you are already time banking without even knowing it, um, but through the system that we have, it shows the reciprocity. So we'll go over that in just a little bit, too. Um, so yeah, it's that simple. You give and receive, but it's super profound, and it's really endless. So as people get to know each other, their neighbors, they share, they become extended family who take care of each other. Um, time banking builds uh, trust and reweaves community. It is a community affair. So I personally do know most of my neighbors. Do you guys know your neighbors, or do you just drive right into your garage, go inside, and not know who lives across from you? Um, luckily, our street is really small. There's literally 24 houses on the entire block. Nobody will ever build here because there's houses, and nothing will ever be over on this side. So uh, Stewart Place, we live on Stewart Place. That's the entire street. That's all it's ever going to be. So I know about 90% of my neighbors, uh, most of them by name, um, but we've been in our house for seven years. Our neighbors have basically become a neighborhood watch uh, without the official title of neighborhood watch. But now we can take that official title of time banking. So this summer, because of time banking, we're going to do our first official um, block party, so we're going to get a permit and block the street off and put the bounce house out and grill and everybody's going to bring some food and that way we can continue to support each other. So the neighbor across from me prevented someone from porch pirating my front yard. So a kid from the apartments a couple blocks away came over, knocked on the door, said he was going to play with the kids. We went home. He picked up the package and started to walk away. Ed was outside, and he said, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, they told me to pick this up for them. No, they didn't. And so he put the package down and left. So that's so valuable. 
And yet it was just so simple for him to do that, but he knew us well enough to, to have that boy stop what he was doing. Um, but we always are shoveling snow outside together, um, and we shovel for each other when we can, when we need to. And then, uh, you know, sometimes you live in a, in a neighborhood where there's abandoned vehicles, so you can report it because you know that that vehicle doesn't belong there. Or you can at least ask your neighbor, hey, is that yours? Nope, it's not. I <laughs> mean, get it out of there before it sits there for too long. Um, so back to the cons who started time banking. They went, um, they got funding shortly after. So in the 80s, they went nationwide and helped open chapters all over the United States. And then in the 90s, got further funding and went nationwide. So this, uh, I'm sorry, they did that in the 80s. The 90s, they went worldwide. And so now there are um, hundreds, potentially uh, just over a thousand groups worldwide. Um, and you can actually go from community to community if you move, or you can open your own. Um, so, and then now, in November, we opened the first Pikes Peak region time banks right here in Colorado Springs. So that's another reason why notes are good for me. When something's new to me, I need my crutch. And so, uh, you know, November was last year, but that's only a few months ago. Um, so uh, Jean, Edgar's first wife, passed away in 1991. Edgar remarried in 2000, and so his wife now, her name's Christine Gray, she and Edgar continued the mission. Um, sadly, Edgar did pass away just in January. So I had been on a couple video calls with him and started to get to know him, but now I just have to watch all the recordings because I can't have that personal interaction anymore. Um, but of course now there are hundreds of organizers that he's supported over the years, and we can carry the torch for time banking and help maybe get some more funding and do it a little bit differently. So yeah, um, I'm gonna read a little bit here. There's some quotes that we use in one of our events called Gathering with a Purpose. So. Time plays a significant role in our life. Time helps us make a good habit of structuring and organizing our daily habits. Um, my daughter needs to be a Time Banks member so she can get a little bit more of that. Um, but if you understand the, t the value of time better, you can gain experience and develop skills over time. So time is the most valuable resource because you cannot take it back. Trading time is also a way to ensure that nothing is wasted and people can afford what they need. So we know how valuable our time is. We just trade it like that. So as my friend Jenny V says to her friends, time banking is what we did before paper money existed. This is nothing new, but it's just a new way to come together and do it on purpose. Um, we put the unity in community. Time banking is about creating and transforming community. So recently I had a next door interaction this, um, this couple put a, who has next door on their phone? I love next door. Um, so this couple put a post about wanting to do like a emergency readiness group. So they, they listed these specific things. They said, we wanna make sure we have supplies for HVAC, maybe some bullet making, storage, uh, freezer storage type stuff, sewing, yard work, um, animal care, child care, that sort of thing. Within a couple of days, there were over 150 comments of people saying they wanted to be involved in such a group. Um, so it was amazing to just see what one neighborhood could create and the buzz that they 
wanted to do all of these things together. So sadly out of this, there was one person that put a post that like just squeezed my heart. And so this is what she wrote. She said, I have no useful skills whatsoever, but this is a lovely post to see it's just what I needed. And I was like, that is so sad. It was really nice of her to put that compliment out there, but at the same time, I could not just like the post and move on. So I, I commented directly on hers and I said, um, this is why Edgar Kahn wrote the book, No More Throwaway People. We all have something to give and we all have gifts and talents. So if she wanted to be a part of that community, I would love to chat with her and to remind her of her goodness and all the skills and talents that she could offer that group or any group. Um, so I sent her also a PM, but she still hasn't replied. It's been about two weeks. So maybe she'll see this recording on Facebook and decide to call me because um, I try not to hound people, but it's just been on my heart. So we'll see what happens there. I'll try to keep you updated with that. Um, so has anyone ever heard there's no such thing as a selfless act? So I know Mandy can see this next one here. Has anyone seen this episode? It's my favorite. It's so funny. So this is the whole episode about there is no such thing as a selfless act. But that is okay. It is okay to feel good giving to someone. That was the whole point of that episode. And I was like, yes. So um, it's good to feel, it's okay to feel good about that. Uh, we all need to receive. And when someone has something to give you, whether it's their time or a gift, and you reject that, You've just blocked the currency of goodness. So to um, take that gift away, so it's a gift to give. So if you took away the ability for someone to give to you, then the ability they would have given that to someone else, and you know you block that. Anyways, um, so that's another piece of time banks is we help people get and give. So I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, so the five core values is what Edgar Kahn put into the time banks. So these are the powerful um, parts that we have specific definitions on, and then I'll read you some stories of, again, how that affected me. So the five core values are assets, redefining work, reciprocity, social networks, and respect. So Edgar put these together as a foundational piece for organizers like me. So let's define these. So asset, every one of us has something of value to share with someone else. If you know someone that thinks they have no value, please just have them talk to me. I'll sit and talk for five hours about how amazing they are because I ask really good questions and I can find that out about people really quick. Redefining work. There are some forms of work that money will not easily pay for like building strong families, revitalizing neighborhoods, making democracy work, advocating social justice. So time credits were designed to reward, recognize, and honor that type of work. Reciprocity. Helping that works as a two-way street empowers everyone involved, the receiver as well as the giver. So the question, how can I help you needs to change so that we can ask, will you help someone too? So just assume you're gonna get help and then you're gonna give that to someone else. The help that you give doesn't necessarily come back 
from the person that gave it to you. I personally struggle with that sometimes, but I have to let it go and, and remember that that does come back to us. Um, so paying it forward uh, ensures that together we help each other build the world we all live in. Uh, social networks, helping each other, we reweave re community of support, strength, and trust. Community is built by sinking roots, building trust, creating networks. By using time banking, we can strengthen and support these activities. And then the final one, respect. Respect underlies freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and everything we value. Respect supplies the heart and soul of democracy. We strive to respect where people are in the moment, not where we hope they will be at some point in the future. Okay, so assets. Can a two-year-old help clean up after a potluck? Um, can a two-year-old put a smile on the face of an 80-year-old woman as they read a book and bond through that? Um, can a veteran play their acoustic music for all the people waiting in line for their In-N-Out or Whataburger? Definitely, that's all time banking activities that they can do. Um, and certainly I have a heart for moms. So if a mom can leave her kids, let's just say her five kids or her six kids with a trusted community member and go take a nap in the car or go take a walk or go serve at the local dog shelter, those are all things that can be done through this kind of organization. So people come together because we can do more collectively than we can alone. Uh, communities about togetherness, about doing more with and for each other. Uh, community expresses its togetherness in gatherings. So this is a gathering. We are, uh, it's important to affirm ourselves, each other, the community, so we enact belonging with community. So gatherings build and sustain community with celebrations, rituals, and even through business. Uh, gatherings make community more than individual interests. Gathering communities look out for each other and for the common well-being, just like making sure my package wasn't stolen off my porch. That was so helpful to me. Um, so this is why the foundational Time Banks gatherings are potlucks. So redefining work. In Time Banking, um, you work with a group of people who join together for that common good. It brings out the best in people because it connects unmet needs with unmet resources. So again, that woman that didn't think she had any value on the next door comment, she's an untapped resource, both for herself and for the community. So in that simple way, time banking changes the world. It may be through single transactions that build relationships between two people, or in a group activity like nerd night, like memoirs, um, and community events that build relationships and trust, and again, it reweaves the community. Um, so again, some of those examples are advocacy, protests, social actions that help right wrongs um, and build rights. So every transaction and activity expands circles of sharings, sharing and networks of friendship, caring, and community. So time picking is for people and communities. It changes the dynamic of human systems for the good and could involve hundreds or thousands of people over time. So again, everyone is someone and time banking is about enhancing the value of every person and transforming the value of our time by helping others. 
so ever since I started time banking, I started seeing the little acts of kindness. So have you guys ever participated in a random act of kindness campaign? People will kind of run those, and those are fun to run, but I like to try to live my life as a random act of kindness. So specifically, again, since November, I find myself having 20 minutes extra time before my doctor's appointment. So instead of just sitting around playing on my phone, I go ahead and load up, get in the car, and that gives me extra time to prevent some road rage out there. So I'm not in a hurry. I can drive as normally, as slow, as quick as I want, letting people in traffic. That is a huge thing that you can do for someone, uh, give a wave. Or for me, I'm usually dragging my six-year-old, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But instead, I just got to walk in with him. And you can't put a value on that time when you can literally stop and smell the roses because you've given yourself that extra time to get into the building instead of rushing and getting that way. Um, so again, we are generating wealth and well-being. So these are super impactful for me. So well-being is the wholesomeness of relationships within a community, and wealth is the richness of supporting interactions in people. So again, we're building... Oh yeah, yeah, that, it just... These just kind of go along. I'm not going to read anything off of it, but um, this is a great quote. I'm sure you can read it from there. Um, but yeah, we, what we're doing here is priceless. And giving yourself the, the pat on the back for doing that too. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you want it from somebody else. Depends on where we are that day. I can tell you that today I needed a lot of pep talk before today, the whole day. <laughs> um, so... Uh, we are generating wealth within the community and building the well-being of people as a whole. So time banking brings new ways of thinking about commerce. So when you think about it that way, you really can't compare it. So I hope that you all have someone in your life. Um, oh no, this, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. So have you ever had someone in your life that will not let you help them? <laughs> I saw a point. I saw the point. <laughs> um, or have you had? Have you found out that someone was sick or really needed your help, but they literally told no one? I have a few friends that purposely don't tell anyone when they need help, and then after the fact they'll say, "Oh man, I was so sick, or I had a really rough time last week," and you were there and you could have helped them. These are the people that I would like to be a part of time banking because it's going to help with that ego or that pride or whatever's going on in their lives because again we're building the trust and helping them realize by letting someone give to them they're actually gifting them back already um, so yeah introduce them to the time banks and introduce them to me we'll do the baby steps for them because they need to know that there are amazing people right here in Colorado Springs. Strangers can change your life. Sometimes you have that one interaction and that one person changed your life and you don't even know what their name is. And that's okay. That is the reciprocity that you're getting from all those hundreds of people that you've given to that didn't directly give back to you. So let that come back to you through a stranger. Um, so my favorite story is... Okay, here it is. So, I kind of combined the social networks and the respect together. So I had a priceless interaction with a coworker's daughter. 
So this coworker's daughter was about two years old when I met her. She only spoke Spanish. I only speak English. So we couldn't speak to each other. But she had very healthy boundaries as a two-year-old. She did not want anyone to touch her. She did not give hugs, but she was so adorable. This is the kind of kid that everyone just wants to squeeze them and hug them. Um, so instead of giving hugs and that sort of thing, she gave a wink. The most adorable, like, you know, I can't even do it as good as her. So that was her way of communicating and interacting with people. Um, and I always respected that. I tell people, do not just grab a child. You think that you can grab them, but that's exactly why the picture before this, if you have one of these, that's why the crazy aunt that nobody wants to say hi to, that's why that stereotype exists. Nobody wants that. So it doesn't matter what their age is. We have respect for the person. So again, the interaction for two years, I would ask every now and then, can I have a hug? No. It was just the wink and the wave. Okay. But over time, being in community, she knew I knew her mom and dad and her sister. So she saw the interaction. She saw the respect. And one day, we're setting up for an event. So we're in a gymnasium. I'm on one side of the basketball court. And they enter. Their whole family comes in on the other side of the basketball court. And she comes in. By, now she's about four years old. So two years is a long time to wait for a hug. So that's exactly what happened. She walked in, she waved at me, and she started running towards me. And here I am like, you know, me? Are you, is she running at me? I'm making sure that there's nobody else over here that, you know, you have that awkward moment when you're like this and they go over here. <laughs> so I knew she was talking to me. She was headed right towards me. So I crouched down and got my arms ready, and I took full advantage of the Hollywood movie feeling, spinning her around, hugging that, that two-year hug. Um, so she's giggling, having fun. I put her down, and she runs off with her friends. By then, her parents were close enough to me, and they're just like this. She never hugged anyone, but... She knew, again, the respect was there, that community had been built, the trust was there. So some people, two years, some people, two weeks, some people might take a lifetime. And some of those people might be your family members. So <laughs> give them that time, because um, our family is the ultimate time banks that we serve and let serve us as well. Um, so to wrap up, I kind of skipped around a little bit and my paper is here at the end. Um, that's not it yet. But um, it's nice to be valued, it's nice to be served, it's nice to serve. So with time banking, we are only limited by our imagination. Um, this is for the people, by the people. We have a worldwide brand to follow and a purpose to guide us in the five core values. We have a standard of culture that we can establish, that we can cultivate, and hold strong to. It's not just for poor people. I had someone ask that, so you're just looking for a bunch of poor people. <laughs> no. Uh, it's for everybody. Because again, money, this type of exchange has a different type of value. Um, so it's to here to remind people of their value. And actually, Edgar Kahn made sure um, Again, he was a lawyer, so he made sure that on a legal level that 
exchanging your time had no tax implications. So bartering does have tax implications, um, and time banking does not. If you're exchanging with one person thousands of dollars worth of exchange, that does become a tax implication, but I have paperwork for that. If you're doing that, then you definitely, we can talk. But, um, so I also had someone ask, okay, so you want me to open a new bank account? No, time banking, it's, you're not opening any kind of a bank account, it's just your time. So most time banks offer free or at will pay for membership fees, and um, the in-person interaction is key. That's why we have monthly potlucks, orientations, and anything else a group wants to do. So actually, for attending a nerd night, you can earn time credits for that. By coming up and presenting, you can earn time credits for that. Helping someone present, they didn't charge me to help me formulate this, but I can pay them in time credits. Because um, they're doing it anyways, but I can still do that. Um, so the online piece of the account is for tracking, communicating, putting out requests and offers, and more. So this is not meant to replace a monetary system, it's meant to enhance it. So the most effective use of our time and our money is to connect with other people. Um, so. You're, again, you're probably already time banking, but now you can keep track and show the give and take. Um, you, bringing meals to people when they've lost a loved one or recently became a widow or a widower um, or after having a baby, that's a big one. That's all time bank uh, worthy. So now we can do it on purpose and get that reciprocity over and over and over and see how that's all working. Um, and we can meet new people, experience new things regularly, because the last, the next, the one before that is the Forrest Gump. So of course, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. Thank you, guys. Do we do Q and A? I don't know how much time we have for questions, but there is built-in time for questions. So if anyone has a question or a comment, you're welcome to share or ask or you ready for your candy <laughs> you ready for candy yeah so what's the trivia okay. the trivia all right we're gonna i'm gonna have a new assistant i'm gonna have a new assistant today all right so for you first timers that are here tonight we do trivia stand on the other side there we go we're going to do trivia, and today it is March Madness themed. So things that have happened in March that we are going to quiz you guys on. Now, there is a rule. You're going to raise your hands like nice little boys and girls. You, there is no screaming out the answers. I will call upon you, and if you have the answer right, then my lovely assistant, Samantha, will hand out or throw out to you your prize, okay? So, question number one. What special nerdy day was celebrated this week? Pi Day, yes! Pi Day, now that was an easy one. That was a super easy one. I'm just getting you guys started, so. Here is the next question. 
What famous theoretical physicist was born on Pi Day in 1879? Yes, Albert Einstein. Awesome, thank you so much. So now we're gonna, our last one for this round is what famous theoretical physicist died on Pi Day on 2018? Stephen Hawking, yes. Stephen Hawking. Now, generally, I would release you guys and allow you to go get a drink and get some more food. However, tonight we have a very special treat for you. We have Jane, the magician, is going to wow you and, and uh, uh, I guess dazzle you with some magic tricks. So let's see what Jane has to offer us today. Hi there. Hi there. For those of you in the crowd who know, there's nothing worse than the fact that there's no pockets in dresses. Listen, I'm going to do a little tease for this first little piece. I'm going to come back after the next one. Um, well, here, let me tell you. We start with this. nerd night, I'm going to come up and present. And at that presentation, I'm going to present uh, what it's like to be a professional full-time magician. And the subtitle is, It's Not Hogwarts. Trust me, it's not Hogwarts. Uh, but we're going to explore the magical properties of this particular 21st century essential. Was a, hey, you ready? One minute. I have to admit, I have an assistant coming up I met before. So listen, I, I started out in magic very, very young. I was two years old. My father was a magician. He had an uncle who was a magician. I worked with a daughter who decided that she'd rather go to college than stay in the show. Uh, but this was dad's favorite magic trick. So one of the things I try to do with any crowd is to make sure that I do this particular magic trick in honor of dad. You okay with that? Now before I do this, I would like to point out that this is not my favorite magic trick. So if you like it, applaud for dad. And if you don't like it, don't blame me, applaud for dad. That thing's a cheap bit, but it works every time. There is a gentleman sitting over here at the bar. Are you supposed to be sitting at the bar? <laughs> Can you come on up? What's your name? Malachi. Say it again. 
Malachi. Now, Malachi has assured me that he refuses to smile while he's on stage. Malachi, could you try blowing that up? It's a balloon. Just blow it up. I can blow it up. Never mind. If you were at Million Cup a month ago, pretend like you never saw this. He says, I suspected what you were going to do. I hate it when you're funnier than me. You ready? I want to warn everybody before we start. This does not always work. turns out that you do have sensitive ears, it is okay to put your fingers in your ears. Not, not too far. Okay. I did mention that this does not always work, didn't I? Okay. When you go to magic school, one of the things they tell you is to never cringe while doing this. For just such the occasion, Sorry, in case this one doesn't work. Here, hold. 
away from me. Now, some people think that I don't use real balloons. And some people think I don't use a needle. You have a hand for my friend. Thank you so much. Now, folks, that's a tease. A little bit later, we're going to do something a little bit more grown-up. I want to point out at this time that over on the table there is rope and chains. Not that kind of grown-up. <laughs> we are, on the other hand, going to have as much fun as we can possibly have with ropes and chains in public. Jane. With that, we'll have a five-minute break. Go ahead, refill those drinks, grab a beer, a cocktail at Rival Bar, grab a, something to eat, and we shall return shortly. Thank you. It was a quick break, but it's time to come back and get our next presenter up on stage. And with that, let's learn about Building the largest machine in the world with John Marshall. Let's keep, put your hands together. And I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that John has some Irish or Scottish, so he's perfect for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, does that mean I don't have to wear green if I have a red beard? Down is forward. Down is forward. Oh, okay. Okay, we already did all of this, right? I'm skipping through this. Oh, my, my bad. There we go. All right, we can move this out of the way. Hello, everyone. Nice to meet you. My name is John Marshall, and I am an engineer. I will be talking to you about something that is very nerdy. Have you had enough to drink? We're going to talk about nuclear fusion. All right. So to give you a little bit of an overview of the presentation, I'm going to start out by explaining a little bit about nuclear fusion, not fission. And then I'll jump into a specific project that I had a chance to work on. And I'm going to invite you all into the process of uh, engineering design. 
So I want you to participate at some point. Are you ready? All right. How many of you have any idea what uh, nuclear fusion is? Ever heard of it? Any concept whatsoever? Nobody. Okay. Just one. Uh, at the atomic level, fission, which is the atomic bomb, it's also the the same process that's used in current nuclear power plants. It takes a big atom and it breaks it apart. And then they capture the energy from that to make power. Fusion is the opposite. They take two hydrogen atoms and then you smash them together. You have to get really high temperature. You have to go up to like 350,000 uh, degrees Celsius, the temperature of the sun. This is what happens in the sun. And that gives off four times as much energy as fission. So jumping to ITER, I-T-E-R, which stands for the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor. This is going to be the largest man-made machine ever, the most expensive, the most complex project that mankind has ever built. And they are currently building this in the south of France. Uh, this is a picture from a few years ago, actually, so they, they've made a lot of progress. They're about 75% done at this point. Uh, the projections are something like within the next five years or ten years or so, they're going to start some of the the processes of testing. Uh, now the, the key thing about this particular nuclear reactor is it's a fusion reactor. It is, it takes uh, hydrogen and it combines it together to make helium. So in essence, if they can get this to work, we have nearly free energy for the rest of time. Did you, did you hear that? Once they build the reactor, the only thing you have to put in is, is hydrogen. And I don't know if you've been to the ocean, but there's a lot of it. So uh, if, if they're able to figure this out, now there's a lot of technical problems that go into this, and we'll get into one of them. So a little bit more about this particular reactor. Uh, I don't know if you can see this down here, but this, this is a man. All of this support equipment around the outside is focused on a single donut in the middle. And what it does is there's a bunch of really strong magnets that push these atoms together. Uh, on the outside, there's a group of magnets out here. In the middle, there is a, also kind of a stack of magnets. Kind of think, think like a slinky. So this is the central magnet. This magnet, here's, a, here's another guy for scale. It's about seven stories tall. And it's made up of six of these, what they call hexa pancakes. I don't know who came up with that name. But um, 
Those magnets are made up of wires. And in this case, you've all seen like a wire in your house, right? So it's got a copper wire in the middle, and then it's got a jacket around the outside that's made of plastic. Uh, this one in particular, the wire in the middle is actually a, oh, what do they call it? A superconducting material. So it's called, uh, it's niobium tin, and they have to drop it down to four Kelvin, which is really, really cold. That's this material here in the middle. And then you can see the jacket on the outside is made of a stainless steel. So they're pumping uh, liquid helium through this to drop the temperature down to four Kelvin, which is really cold. And then let me jump back to this real quick. Then on the, uh, really close to where that is. So all of that wire is wrapped like a slinky in the middle here. So we have four Kelvin in the magnets in the middle, and then we have 350,000 degrees in the, the reactor itself. Right next to each other, basically. All right, so a little bit of background on me and where I fit into all of this. Um, I used to work at a place here in Colorado Springs. We built this machine right here. Also that one on the right, but I'm going to talk about this white machine right here. Currently, this is installed in San Diego, and they are manufacturing those magnet coils. I got to be a the project engineer on this this particular machine and we had to solve a bunch of crazy problems to build this thing uh, this piece right here at the top it's I call it the cheese box it's kind of like a like an think like an I-beam but then you stretched it out so this machine does a, an insulation process. It wraps some insulation around that wire. But it's a very complicated process. You have to hold the slinky. You can see the wires here. They kind of wrap around. But you have to hold the slinky from above. You can't support it from underneath. Because one at a time, they're going to drop this slinky and then wrap a little bit of insulation around it. Um, so the, you can see these guys are working down here. There's a work platform. And then as the slinky goes down, it lands on the bottom there. You can, maybe you can see this. I don't know. Probably not in the back. But it's wrapped in insulation there. Here's another picture. Another company made these fancy machines that do like some wrapping around there. So what I want you guys to participate with me in solving this engineering problem, I want to do a little bit of brainstorming. So I'm going to describe to you one of the problems that we had to solve. This machine here, you saw it was holding up a bunch of that 
that wire. Now we have to do a load test to make sure that this is strong enough that it's actually going to hold the weight. So what we need to do, and I'm asking all of you to think about this right now, how do we attach weight to the bottom of this, this piece right here? And if, this is uh, over here. So there's a bunch of holes. We have to spread the weight over 18 holes. Uh, but there's 320,000 pounds that we have to attach to the bottom of this thing. Now, if you, if you, that's probably totally, you know, Greek to you. What is 320,000 pounds? You know it's a lot. Uh, an African elephant weighs about 10,000 pounds. So think 32 African elephants. I don't even know if they would fit in this room. Right, so, okay. So how, how do we attach, where do we get 320,000 pounds, and how do we attach it to this thing? Go. Water, okay, water, good idea. Zip ties and handcuffs, I like this guy. Bungee cords, okay. Can you make like a, a lever? Like put something outside of it, maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. Elephants, you said elephants, right? What? Balance? What? Balance across the holes. Otherwise, it's just going to fall in. Okay. Anybody else? Magnets. Great. Okay. Let's think. What what is really heavy? What are some heavy things? <laughs> well, if we got enough of your mothers together. ideas. A train. Okay, cool, cool. Now let's think, how do we attach it? If you have a train, or if you have elephants, or if you've got magnets, how do you attach that to the bottom? Think, think again, we have 32 elephants. Carabiners. And ropes, maybe? Ropes? Yeah. Okay. Any other ideas? Use an app. Just download the app and then hit the button. Yeah, okay. Super magnets. All right. Okay, I feel like we are we're reaching the end of our exploratory phase. Uh, and this is what we did. As engineers, we just kept coming up with ideas like how are we gonna how are we gonna get that much weight under here? We thought about water. And we thought about, okay, if we have water, you have a pool, you have to you have to like attach a how do you attach a pool to the bottom of this this guy here? 
and then we did the calculations of, okay, what's the density of water? How much space does it take up? And we figured out that you, you can't put enough water inside this space. Water is not dense enough to even fit in there. So even if you could attach the water, it's not wet, it's not heavy enough. Uh, then we, start, we thought about steel. Okay, steel is really heavy, right? Lead maybe also is really heavy. Uh, but how do you attach that to the bottom? Kind of confusing. And where do you get it? Uh, turns out you can, you can rent trench plates. Trench plates are those like one inch thick steel plates that you drive over when you're going over construction. Have you seen those? Uh, so we looked into that. And that was too complicated because you had to, you had to like hold on to the trench plates underneath. And that wasn't going to work. Uh, so do you guys want to see the answer? What, what we came up with? All right. What we ended up doing was a combination of steel and concrete. And what we did was we built forms out of steel. I don't know if you can see this very well. I have a, another picture as well. We built forms out of, con out of steel and then we poured concrete into those forms. And there had to be holes in the middle, right? So these, these holes matched the bottom of that big cheese block. And then we attached it to the bottom with really long uh, threaded rods that were like two inches around each. Uh, so this is me and my project manager and another engineer calling at like 10 o'clock on, it was either a Friday or a Saturday after we had just picked up 320,000 pounds. So this is one of the most proud days of my life. <laughs> Uh, and that's it. Thanks, everybody. Yes, so we have time for questions. Flip. Yes, so what are they trying to accomplish with the fusion reactor? Uh, the fusion reactor this particular fusion, so fusion has been done before, but the problem is fusion requires you to put energy in in order to get energy out. And so far, they always have to put in more energy than they get out, uh, which I don't know if you can, you can imagine, like you put in, you put in one, kilowatt of energy and you only get half a kilowatt out, that's not a very good power plant. That's a, that's a negative power plant. Um, this fusion reactor will be the first reactor that will put out more energy than it requires to, to power the plant. Yes? 
is this energy for the whole world or is this just for France? Uh, so this, and I think that that's an important point here, is that this is a joint venture. So ITER is a joint venture between seven of the major nations. And a lot of them are contributing a lot of money to do this experiment. And, and once they figure this out, they can build this power plant anywhere in the world and provide power to anybody. catch fire? What if we had another Chernobyl? Um, I, very good question. I, I wanted to mention that in the beginning, actually. This type of power plant has no meltdown. There is, if you, if you turn off the button, there's, it doesn't do anything. There's no, there's no, new, there's no reactive material. So the, he's asking, is it, a, is it like a circular reaction where the helium that's, that's created in the, the fission, is that used in the power plant? Uh, I don't actually know for certain, but I would guess no. They, they have probably systems that purify the helium that they're using to, to um, cool the superconductors. And that is in a, its own system, just circulating through to keep the, the superconductor cool. And then separately, the helium that's generated within the reaction um, goes somewhere else. They might recycle it, but my guess is that it's, it's not used. Yes. Two questions. Yes. So, is that, that's your first question? Okay. I'll answer your first question with two answers. The first answer is that the construction is about 75% done for this reactor. So they're, they're getting close. Um, that's 75% done. Started, this, this project was started in 1988. So, you're talking billions and billions of dollars from multiple countries, and it, 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 is, it is the most complex machine that we're ever going to build, or have built so far. Uh, the second answer to that is once they have it finished, this reactor is still only an experimental reactor. This, re this reactor will not provide power to the grid. They just vent it off. They're just making sure that they can possibly do this. Um, there's a chance that once they build it, they might, they might be able to connect it after the fact, if they know that it works and all of that. Um, but at this point, there's, there's no plan to, to make that happen. It will be another 10 years probably after they get this up and running and test it.
before they redesign another power plant and start building one that you or I might receive power from. What did we do with the pizzas? What did we do with the cement pizzas? They are sitting in the yard at Springs Fab and they use them for load tests on spreader beams and other things. Yeah, and we actually planned that. We, we knew that we were gonna use them again, so. So actually on the side, so on the top here there's a lift lug, but we also put one on the top there so that you could use it for other things. Yep. Thank you. Thank you sir. All right, give it up for John Marshall, everyone. Thank you. Woo! I'll wear this now, thank you. All right, so we love our nerds here. Man, this is so awesome. I love this. I forget. These are more, these are additional pictures in case you guys had questions. He was prepared to like show you more details. That is what I love right there. All right, hold on, it's happening. We're getting to trivia. I'm happening, I'm happening. All right, there we go. So, more March Madness trivia. What U.S. city is recognized for hosting the world's first St. Patrick's Day parade in 1737? A U.S. city for the world. Boston! Yes! Yes! All right. Boom, Boston. What city dyes its river green every St. Patrick's Day? Chicago! Yes, Chicago is correct. And the last trivia question for the night is, according to Irish lore, what did St. Patrick drive out of Ireland? Snakes, yes. Awesome. So right now, I'll go ahead and disband you, go ahead and fill your drinks, get your food, and when we come back, we will have some more magic by Jane. All right. All right, nerds, let's get back to our seats. I see people got refills of food and drinks. I hope the drinks are hitting you where it's supposed to. And uh, let's put our hands together. What's wrong with my hair? You don't like my St. Patrick's Day bowler look? So let's put our hands together and welcome back Wonders by Jeline. Uh, as promised, I would like to have some fun with ropes and chains. We lost the little guy, right? Here we are, we are in the adult portion of the show. Not too adult, it's not that kind of show. Uh, but I, I did ask some folks ahead of time because honestly I wanted to meet the people who were gonna tie me up. It's true. Um, could I ask you to come up? These two gentlemen right here? 
And this nice lady. Go, go this way. Go that way. Go that I didn't bring this with me, I promise. How badly do you want me to tie you up? <laughs> we talked about this, right? It's not that kind of show. All right. Here we go. I want you to stand right here, please. Okay. I, I gave her the chains ahead of time, and I said, don't lock the lock, because I'm not sure this is the right key. It's not funny. <laughs> yeah, we tried to, never mind. We're going to start with rope. Yep, y'all, y'all, we need to move past this, okay? We're going to let our grown-up side out. We're going to start the night with rope. It's rope, right? Yes, it's rope. It's rope, right? Yes. It is rope. <laughs> uh, you know what? Can you do me a favor? Help me think of this off. This is as far as that part goes. <laughs> Definitely not that kind of girl. Uh, I'm going to ask... <laughs> yeah. Not only did he take the coat, but he's hiding it. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take those two ropes. Put it down that sleeve right there. And I'm going to ask you to do the same thing on this side. Super. No, it's okay. I got it. <laughs> I need you to take one of those two ropes. Which one do you want? Okay, don't pull. I'm going to ask you to take one of these two. Don't pull. Don't pull, yeah. It's good. <laughs> Who came with this guy? Oh, why? See, always follow instructions or is this special tonight? <laughs> always. You're lying, right? No? <laughs> Never mind. Um, could you just put those on the tape for one second? Your name was? Carlos. Carlos? 
Carlos. You have a fan. They're not sure which one it is. And your name is? Hayden. 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 She loves you. I hope so. I she hope. Do you hear what he said? He said, I hope so. Never mind. Can you take and tie these two together? Just make like a I used to live in South Dakota. This was the most dangerous part of the show right here. A couple more times. Okay. So I just want to review what we have before we get into the kinky part. Carlos has a piece of rope in his hand, two hands. Two hands, good. And Hayden, ha see Hayden's good. He does follow instructions. That's good. And your name is? Emma. Woo, Emma. So here's what we got. Carlos has a piece of rope. That piece of rope goes up the sleeve, goes around my back, comes out here and it's tied in the middle by? Emma. And then it goes around the back again and goes out this side too? It's a test, folks. <laughs> Try to stay up, okay? I'm not always this abusive, but I didn't get dinner or drinks. Could you bring the chain over now? Now, I gave Emma the chain because I, you know, everybody always suspects the chain. It's a chain, right? Here's what we're going to do. Got a loop here that goes through the end like this. Come on, go through. There we go. If you could step back so you don't get it in the face. If you could step back and really step back. Okay. Take that piece down. There we go. Over the other way. You see that loop at the bottom? I need you to take and put the chain through that loop in the bottom. All the way through. It goes through and it just takes a second. I once did this in North Dakota. Bontaku, North Dakota. Anybody from North Dakota? Okay. <laughs> Dakota? South Dakota where? Where? Rapid City. I did lots of shows there. Rapid City's fun. This, this place in North Dakota is like, not in the Arctic Circle, but you can like hear the jingle bells, okay? Take and pull that over the other side now. Good and tight. No, not that far. Just 
there. There you go. I did this in North Dakota. There's this lady there. It's this like corporate gig, and um, they're having dinner and drinks, and I neglected to count the number of brown bottles in front of this lady. She grabbed the chain like this, put her foot on my leg, and pulled. It's true. Please don't do that. Take a chain that those two pieces together. So that piece and this piece. Right. And then this one here. Yep. Pull tight. All right. Make sure it's on there. Okay. Now, Emma, I'm going to ask you to step back because Carlos looks dangerous. <laughs> Probably. Fellas, slide forward here. Forward? Yeah. Right, right there. Okay. And grab that rope right up close there. To my sleeve, the one you still have, this is like, no, the one you have already, no, no, just hold on close to my sleeve. Okay, All right, now slide your hands towards me, on the rope, slide up the rope, pull, 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 right there. <laughs> now, gentlemen, this is very important. Please do not pull. When I, when I say go, I need you to pull. I'm going to go one, two, three, and then I'm going to use that word. Pull. Not go. No. Uh, go. Not pull. One, two, three, go. I, I've been kidding around tonight, and I do a lot of comedy in the show, and I, I got to tell you that this hurts. <laughs> um, this is actually pretty serious, and I could get hurt. So go. No, I'm you need to be clear. Is it go? <laughs> this is your... You told me you could follow instructions. He's got a lot of questions. I'm going to say one, two, three, and then I'm going to say that word that begins with a G. Okay. Got and you're going to pull as hard as you can. Please don't stop pulling. Just keep going. Okay. Look behind you. Don't, don't run into that. Over there, same thing. Ready? Here we go. Ready? One! He clinched! One, two, three, go! Next up is uh, our host, and he's going to talk about, I don't remember, I'm too scared. But here's Flip. All right, nerds. So by show of hands, how many of you made a New Year's resolution to be well or healthy or something like that? How's it going for you? You're in it? All right. So today, I'm going to talk about the top things you can do to optimize your wellness. And if you understand it all by the end, the only thing left to do is take action. Are we ready? All right, let's go. So, any second now? Yes, oh, oh, it went back too far, let's go. So, Sweat Nation is the name of my company that has to do with wellness and all that. I've been doing this for over 11 years. I work part-time at Garden of the Gods as a wellness concierge. Sounds really fancy, right? 
And what we're going to talk about today is how to optimize your wellness physically, mentally, and emotionally. How does that sound? Alright. What do we see here? What is this saying? How important do you think breath is? Very important? So by show of hands, how many of you would be surprised if I told you that breath was not the foundation towards optimizing your wealth? How many of you? You're surprised? Yes, so breath is not the foundation. So if it's not the foundation, what is it? Breath is the earth you put your foundation on, right? So we are standing here in a building that has a foundation. If this earth mudslide, what would happen to this fantastic foundation? It would just keep mudsliding on down. So think about that for a second. Breath is the earth that you put your foundation on. So if your breath is not good, there's no point in putting anything on top of it. Right? Right. So, we've got two types of breath, right? We have our fight, flight, freeze breath. We have our rest, recover, digest breath. The fight, fight, freeze is like, you know, breathing through your mouth, somebody's attacking you, so you breathe hard. The rest, recover, digest breath is that nice, deep breath in through the nose, into the belly, all that type of stuff they try to teach you in yoga and Pilates and all those types of classes. So, if you are doing your fight, flight, or freeze breath, you have a hormonal waterfall, let's say. And that waterfall is, they're called glucocorticoids. And glucocorticoids are things like epinephrine, norepinephrine, adrenaline, noradrenaline is what they call it here. Epinephrine is what they call it in Europe. And things like cortisol, so you have those. Over here on your rest, recover, digest, when you breathe this way, you let go of hormones like acetylcholine, serotonin, all the things that send a signal to your body that it's okay to rest, recover, and digest. And how many people have gut issues these days? Mm. Right? You're not digesting well if uh, you have gut issues. So. <laughs> so let's keep going here. How many people have heard of the four levels of competency? So the four levels of competency are an easy way to think about how your brain works. So level one is unconscious incompetence. So what does unconscious incompetence mean? That means you don't know that you don't know. And if you don't know that you don't know something, you can't do anything about it, right? But something comes into your consciousness and all of a sudden your brain is in level two. It's unconscious incompetence, which means now you know that you don't know. So for example, I love martial arts, I love jujitsu. I teach jujitsu as well, it's part of this whole sweat nation thing. And with jujitsu, I'm in level number three, which is conscious competence, which means I know that I know, but our brains want to get everything to level four. And level four is unconscious competence. And the best example I can give you of that is this. What am I doing? I'm walking, I'm not thinking, extend my hip, squeeze my glute, balance on one, I'm not thinking any of that, I'm just walking. That is unconscious competence. And your brain wants to get everything to that point. Good habits, bad habits, left habits, right habits, up habits, down habits. Your brain wants to get everything to the point where it really doesn't have to think about it. So now, let's talk about the foundation of wellness. What is the foundation of wellness? Mobility, right? What does that mean? So let's think of physical. Say you're tight in your sh chest and you end up with a shoulder pain. The that tightness is taking away your mobility and your ability to move. And is that awesome or is that less awesome? 
less awesome. So mobility is our foundation to everything else that's put on top of our earth, which is breath. So how good would it be to have physical mobility? All right, so how about people that are depressed and they can't get out of that depression and they are mentally and emotionally stuck in a place where they can't get out of? They need to work on becoming more mentally and emotionally mobile so that they have a bigger range that they can live through because at the moment they are probably unconsciously competent of being where they're at and being stuck. So mobility. Once you have mobility, what do you need to put on top of it? Anybody have a guess? Come on, nerds. What is it? Stability. Right? So, once something is mobile, once something can move, you need to stabilize it. So, I guess a good exercise that we can do is say like a single leg deadlift. If you have the mobility to do it, but you don't have the stability, it'll look something like this. Right? But if you have the stability to do it, it'll look something like this. Right? So, how good would it be to have physical stability? How good would it be to have mental stability? How good would it be to have emotional stability? So now we've got mobility, we've got stability, what do we put on top of it? Anybody have a guess? Ability, that's, that's a good guess, good guess. Anybody else? So, after mobility and stability, what you put on top of it is strength, right? And men love to invert this, especially physically, they love to invert this, do the strength first, Forget about the mobility and the stability, and then you have the guy that's a bodybuilder walking around like this that can't move and is in all types of pain, but man, he's got really big muscles. <laughs> and that's, then they come to me to try to help them fix with all that stuff and wonder why they live in pain all the time. Then I have to get them mobile, stable, and fix all this type of stuff. So now that we have mobility, stability, and strength, we have the Illuminati on top. What do we think that's about? What's the Illuminati always about? Guesses? All right. Guess time over. The Illuminati is always about power, right? But let's talk about power in the physical aspect of it. A gymnast. Think of a gymnast holding themselves up on the rings, right? How much strength and stability does that take? And then think that same gymnast holding on those rings can turn their bodies 360 degrees with all types of mobility and then bring it back. So when you put it all together, you have power. And all power is is how you apply speed and efficiency to all these things. Does that make sense? All right. So now, what are the things we can actually do to optimize our wellness? Number one, sleep. I'm going to try not to keep you nerds up late tonight because sleep is very important. And if you're lacking sleep, so let's go back here to the glucocorticoids. So let's say we had a hypothetical eight hours of fantastic sleep. One of the things that your body releases to tell you to wake up is cortisol, right? So you slept good and now you have that moment where you wake up and that's your body telling you, okay, you've rested, you've digested, you've done all the things you need to do to recover and now I'm going to release this little bit of cortisol to let you know you're ready to take on the stress of the day because stress is ubiquitous, it's not going anywhere. It's your relationship with it that matters.
So sleep is important. But now, let's say, especially the parents out here, you get up, the kids don't want to get ready, you're getting aggravated, and your cortisol starts to go up throughout the day. You get late to work, they start telling you you didn't do your job right, and this cortisol is just rising and rising and rising and rising. And now it's nighttime again, and your cortisol is up here, so what do you think your sleep's going to be like when the thing that tells you to be awake is this high? It's not going to be too good. So then the next day, you wake up, and you feel like garbage because you didn't sleep. How many of us feel amazing when we don't sleep? How many of us feel amazing when we do sleep? So how does that affect your day? So now imagine you have two, three, four days of not sleeping well, and all of a sudden what you're doing is making that pattern unconsciously competent. So you always have to be careful of the patterns that you are developing with your life. So next thing we can do is purposeful movement. Notice I did not say exercise. I said purposeful movement. So I love this question. Flip. I've been going to the gym every day, I'm on the treadmill for 45 minutes and nothing is happening. And I ask them, what are you doing when you're on the treadmill? And they're like, oh, I'm watching a Netflix series. And then I ask them, are you doing what you're doing with purpose? Because if you are, you can't pay attention to anything else. Which means you have to be there, right? You can't be somewhere else or trying to distract yourself if you want to get an actual result. And if you do do that, what you're doing is making every time you get on that treadmill, watching that Netflix show, unconsciously competent. Does that make sense? Now, how beautiful is Pikes Peak? Imagine Mount Everest is two of those. So imagine stacking Mount Everest and two Pikes Peaks on top of each other. Is it going to surprise you that I tell you that the amount of evidence that suggests that purposeful movement is good for you physically, mentally, emotionally, is taller than that. And yet, people struggle with that information all the time. So, figure out a way that you're going to enjoy moving with purpose, and that will help to optimize your wellness. Mindset. What are the stories that you're telling yourself about your life? If they are not good, they become unconsciously competent, and they lose mobility, you're going to be in a bad place. But, if you can Number one, breathe and follow this whole thing and be wary of those stories that you're telling yourself and have them fill you instead of take away from you. That'll also help to optimize your wellness. Next is social support. Who are the people you hang out with? Thank you for being here, nerds. I love you guys. <laughs> so, now, this one is tough because sometimes you have annoying family members. And what are you really going to do about that? Like, you can distance yourself to a point but what if it's your mom? Like, what if they live with you, right? What if they're annoying teenagers that don't get any of this yet? <laughs> so, but social support and finding that group of people that you can be open with, that you can be mobile with your communication with, matters. So next is nutrition. What are you sticking in your body? And there's a whole deep, 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 deep rabbit hole I can get into on this one. So I'm not going to get into it today. Maybe I'll do another presentation on that one another day. And this one, this number six, I've just added after reading a little bit of research. And I'm going to prognosticate that in 10 years, number six is going to be something that people are talking about more. People are already kind of talking about it already. And that is, have less stuff. Because stuff weighs you down. <laughs> and uh, if you want to be mobile, you need to have less stuff holding you down. 
So now, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Are you ready? Pain is ubiquitous. What does that mean? What does that mean to somebody out here? It's always there. Anybody else? Okay, so pain is ubiquitous. What does that mean? That means that when you go work out and you do it with purpose, you're sore, right? That is pain. But that is a pain that builds. Now, your shoulder starts hurting because you're working out and you're not listening to the lack of mobility that you have, right? When that pain starts, which is a chronic pain, it's not the same as a traumatic pain or an acute pain. That happens fast. There's nothing we can really do about those but go to the hospital and get it fixed. But chronic pain usually starts really quiet, like, hey, Flip, you have a little bit of pain here. How about you just check it out and fix it right now? But we live in a society where we tell pain, go away, shut up, I don't want to deal with you. I'm going to have an ibuprofen, a this, a this, a that, a that. So the pain goes away because you're numbing that part of your brain that has that signal. So did you fix the problem, though? You did not fix the problem. So you keep doing exactly what you did that caused the problem, but now you're not feeling the pain. So you do it with gusto, let's say, right? So now that pain medicine wears off, and now the pain is going to be like, yo, flip. What's going on? Let me take a little bit more ibuprofen, Advil, whatever. So now what am I doing? I'm creating unconscious competence that every time I have pain, I'm going to tell it to shut up. So eventually, it'll turn from that quiet whisper to somebody or some energy slamming you over the top of the head telling you, you should have taken care of this when it was small and easy to take care of, but now you need surgery, you have some disease because you didn't want to listen to me, you were just trying to tell me to shut up all the time. So pain is ubiquitous. But we intuitively know the difference between a good ouch and a bad ouch. But I'm going to be the first person to be really honest with you and tell you that ouch is always going to be there. It's not going anywhere. So what kind of relationship do you want with it? That will help you optimize your wellness. So pain is ubiquitous. But, and I think with that, I'm done. So I'm Flip Awesome Aguilera. If you have any questions or anything else that you'd like to uh, know more about, I'm taking questions. Any questions? No questions? All right, get the party started again. Oh, time out, we got one. Where does Flip come from? Did she tell you to ask that? I'm from the universe. I'm from the universe. But I was born in Miami. Two separate questions, where I'm from and where I was born. No, just, no, just Flip Awesome, that's it. Emma. Well, we, again, when you work out, the question is, how do you differentiate between an, uh, a good ouch and a bad ouch? I would say intuitively, you, you know, you know. So let's say you go to the gym, you work out. As you get further away from the gym, you might start getting sore. That's a good ouch. A bad ouch is you work out and immediately you feel like, ah, oh, this is not good. And then it starts to radiate instead of just feel like soreness. That's a distinction between different types of ouches. Any more questions? You look like you have a good question. Like you did for John. <laughs> okay, all right. She says I need to wrap this up. Sorry guys, I can't hang out with you anymore. Mom says I gotta go home. 
All right, so thank you guys for being here at another Nerd Night. We will be, next slide, sorry. Let's see. Hmm? It's thinking about it. There it goes. Now there's going to be a million pictures that come out. So I want to go to the next slide. Yes, all right. So next Nerd Night, please come in all your weed paraphernalia because it is on 420. <laughs> Um, I believe Jane, aside from doing magic, is actually going to do a presentation about not Hogwarts, right? Something like that. Um, so yeah, keep on the lookout, like us on Facebook, follow us on the gram, review us if you think it's awesome, review us if you think it's not awesome. We want honesty and uh, we want to make this better for you. Uh, if you have any presenting ideas, please nerdnight at cos at gmail.com or tap me or Maritza or Erica on the shoulder and we will help you get on this stage and uh, entertain all the nerds in town. We also host another community event called Memoirs True Stories Unfiltered. So if you like real raw stories, memoirs is your type of thing. So Nerd Night is like fun and engaging, like yay, where memoirs is like emotional and it's healing and just it's very powerful. And this month is actually Memoir's one-year birthday. So please come out to three E's on the last Monday of the month, which is March 28th, and come listen to some powerful stories. And aside from that, I think we're done. Have a good evening, nerds. Thank you for supporting this vision. It wouldn't be anything without all of you guys. And we will see you next month on 420. 420. Yeah.